0: Are you looking for a church home or simply a weekly message that will revive your spirit? Each week, Pastor John Butler delivers applicable messages that will refuel your spiritual man and bring a new desire to your heart. Here's Pastor John Butler with this week's encouraging message. 1 John chapter 2, I'm going to read 16 and 17 from the NIV. It says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Let me read it again. It's a short text. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Forever, would you bow your heads with me one more time, Father? We come to you now in the name of Jesus, and we just thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that it speaks to us, even two thousand years after the final uh, the final quill was put to uh, to scroll. Lord, it still speaks to us today, and I pray that you would help us to listen. To listen, He who has ears. Let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. I pray that you would help me now, that you would guide my words and my thoughts. May they be yours, not of my own, but of yours, and may they be received as such. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well When I grew up in the 70s and the 80s, What I knew of pornography was relegated to Playboy and Hustler and penthouse magazines. That's that's what I knew about pornography. Or maybe in the back room of the video store. You remember video stores? (laughs) They used to have those. So there, there generally was some sort of a room, a door that had no sort of signage on it except maybe it said, keep out or private or whatever. There was that back room that supposedly you could only get into if you were 18 years old or knew the guy who was running the video store that night, right? So certainly pornography was accessible and has been for generations in the past. It was accessible, but you kind of had to know a guy who knew a guy. Right? You had, to, you had to be in connections with somebody. They had to steal their daddy's stuff out from under the bed or they, whatever it was. Th- there was a way to get to it if you wanted to, but it, uh, but it took a little bit of effort. Today, there are countless ways to gain access to pornographic material, sometimes even accidentally. Currently, 12% of the websites that are on the Internet today are pornographic in nature. Twelve percent more than one in ten are pornographic in nature, and they're the most cleverly marketed and cleverly named of all you don 't even have to be looking for it. It can be something as simple as a typing mistake in a web address or clicking on the wrong link or, or flipping the, the, or clicking the wrong link in the in the search engine, or it might be you might just be cl- clicking through the channels on the TV or looking through the guide and be, and be fooled by the name. Of the program. In, in today's society, no matter how hard you try and how careful you are, eventually you're going to come face to face with a situation in which you will have to decide, am I going to look or am I not? Will I look or will I not? Now for most of the people, or at least many of the people in our society today, that decision has already been made. They will look. And they do look. Not accidentally, but on purpose. Forty million Americans, males and females, are regular visitors to online porn porn sites. Forty million. And that's just the online sites. That doesn't count the printed material. That doesn't count the private material that circulates on the black market. That's just online stuff. Seventy percent of all 18 to 34 year olds, that's male and female, look at porn at least once a week. Uh, excuse me, once a month. 70% of, of the youngest generation of adults, 18 to 34, look at porn on a regular basis each month. 94% of therapists uh, report that they have seen a dramatic increase in the number of clients who have a clinical, life-controlling addiction to pornography. Now, if you think that I got my statistics from uh, from some... Uh, conservative, Victorian, prudish, Christian publication, then let me tell you where I found these. These were written by a columnist for the Wall Street Journal as she was quoting research done by Cosmopolitan Magazine. That is hardly a bastion of conservative principles. Okay? Cosmo Magazine does as much to promote this kind of lifestyle... And as anything. So these are, these are not the Christians in some sort of cloister somewhere making up statistics. This is what the world says about itself. Now why did I want the older kids in here? Why do I think it's a good idea for you to have your children in here with you? Because the average age for the first viewing of pornography is 11 years old. That's average. Some younger than that. So by the time a child is in the 5th or 6th grade before most of them even have their first kiss, before some of them have ever even been to a co-ed birthday party, they've been been exposed to pornography. Nine out of ten boys, that's 90% of boys, will be exposed to pornography before their 18th birthday. Now, research and my 21 years of pastoral experience have demonstrated that the behavior of most people in the church pretty closely reflects the behavior of what's going on in the community. There's really not a lot of difference between how Christians act and how the world acts. And so the bottom line is this. If it's a problem in the community, it's a problem in the church. And that's why I'm devoting this morning to this topic. Now, I am sure that there are those in Bremen who are a buzz about our conversation this morning. There are people who are wondering why in the world I'm preaching a message on this this morning. I really, w- I-, I hesitated before we had to put it put on the sign. I wasn't sure. I wanted everybody in the world to know what the topic was this morning. Some, some people don't see anything wrong with pornography. Some, some people don't think it's appropriate to talk about in the pulpit. I had a pastor friend this week that sent me a text. He said, I'm praying for you for your message on Sunday. That's preacher talk for you are a complete idiot. Now, I do know, because I've got enough pastor friends to know that many of them, or at least some of them, would love to preach this message in their church this morning, but they can't. It's not that they don't recognize the problem, but it's because they don't have a congregation who will receive it. So the fact of the matter is, I'm able to preach this message this morning because I'm fortunate enough to pastor a group of people who are desperate to hear the truth of the Word of God and how it applies to their lives. They're desperate to learn how to live a life worthy of the calling of God and the name of Jesus. This is a congregation of people who don't think it's inappropriate to discuss real issues in the pulpit. And as a matter of fact, they think it's inappropriate not to discuss real issues from the pulpit. So before I jump in too deep, let me take just a second to say thank you to the people of this church for allowing me to preach whatever God lays on my heart and who are committed to changing their lives to line up with the Word of God, not trying to change the Word of God to make them feel better about their lives. Now, as far as I'm concerned, the church has been too silent for too long about the issues that real people face. And it's time to change that. And that's what the taboo series is all about. Speaking the, the timeless truth of God's Word into the conversations and the controversies of the day, so that we'll know how to live our lives in a way that brings honor to God and brings salt and light to a dark and a tasteless world. Now, the issue of pornography is a complex one. As I began to prepare this message, I realized that that it's like a tumor That If a tumor is growing in your body, it's a problem, but many of the tumors will wrap themselves around vital organs, or around vertebrae, or around nerve endings, and it makes it that much more complicated to pull out. There there are a number of arms that reach out from this topic of pornography for for a variety of reasons. I mean, one is is the difference in, in the way it impacts married people versus how it impacts single people versus how it impacts maybe younger people, so... In order to prevent myself from chasing rabbits this morning, I thought it might be best just to show you the relevant scriptures on this conversation and leave you and the Holy Spirit to work out the details. Is it okay if I just show you the Word of God this morning? And let you and God figure it out. It's just a little bigger than I can really contain in one message. As I was preparing this, I finally got down to putting this on paper on Friday. Valerie texted me. At some point during the morning, she said, I've been praying for you. I'm proud of you. I just want you to be encouraged and and, and to know that I'm praying for you. And I said, thank you, because I am a little bit overwhelmed with trying to figure out how to do this. I said, I feel like I'm filling a kiddie pool with the Mississippi River. There's just too much stuff to put in this one small package. So in 35 or 40 minutes this morning, I'm going to do my best to at least just illuminate for you what the Word of God says about the topic. But I realize that there may be specific issues that you deal with, specific questions about a specific um, uh, instance or or going on in your life. And so I want you to know that I have resources available for you. First of all, I established an email address for you to send me your specific questions, taboo at org. Taboo at org. You can send me any of your specific questions. It will come straight to me. It doesn't go anywhere else. I will do my best to respond personally and and answer whatever questions that you might have. Also, because this is the first in in a recurring series of messages about the things that the church has been too silent on for too long, then if you have an idea about a message, if you have a topic that you would like to know what the Word says about it, then send me your ideas at this email address as well. Now, I've also, at covenantlifebreeman.org our church website, if you click on the, uh, the taboo graphic, then it will take you to a page where I've listed my sources, the places that I went to get information, and I, I've also listed some resources for you that will try to help you in, in living a porn-free life. Okay, So those resources are available to you, and I wanted to make sure that you knew about them if you have further questions. So let's dive in this morning. What does the Bible say about pornography? Well, when we look at the scripture that I opened up with this morning, from 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16, it says that for everything in the world, and King James says it better than this, and I forgot to tell him to change it. The King James says, for everything in the world, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The lust of the the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. These are the three main categories of sin. As a matter of fact, what John is saying to us here, not me, John, he, John... Okay, the real John. What John is saying this morning is that you could take all of the sins in the world and you could categorize them in one of these three categories. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. So we're not talking about just some generic, very specific thing. We're talking about some pretty broad categories this morning. So clearly, pornography is lust of the eye. Clearly it's lust of the eye. Because you're using your eyes to lust after people to whom you are not married. It's the whole purpose of pornography is to cause you to lust. You can try to argue the point, but the fact is the very definition of porn, which is from the Greek word that pertains to prostitution and the things that prostitutes do, the very definition of porn is that it causes you to lust. That's how they keep you drawn in. That's how they keep you coming back. And it's how they keep you getting deeper and deeper into this world. It's also, obviously, pornography is also lust of the flesh. Because most who view porn, it goes beyond what they're thinking in their mind. And I'll be very discreet here, but it it almost always involves the satisfying of the needs of the flesh in a way that is not biblical. It is that self-satisfaction that leads you deeper and deeper into this world of porn. Because not just your, it's not just your eyes that are craving that thrill, it's your, also your flesh. The lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh is always involved in pornography. What else does the Bible have to say about the issue? Look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Very, very um, familiar passage of Scripture. Philippians 4 and 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right... Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, worthy of praise. Think on these things. We've got to be honest with ourselves today about what really goes on in the porn industry. Because the reality is that many of the people that you see on the screen, especially the girls, are not legal or are barely legal, which means they are not even 18 years old. Many of them were runaways. And when they, they realized that they had no way to support themselves, they got, they got caught up by somebody who's always all too willing to offer them a place to stay, offer them a meal, offer them a job. What they didn't realize until it was too late that it was porn. Some were aspiring actresses or models who went to the big city in order to make their big break and, and for whatever reason couldn't find a legitimate job and they had to settle for porn as a way to pay the bills. Some of them are drug addicts and they're just willing to do anything for the money to score their next hit. So let's be honest about what we're really looking at. What it it really means is that when you're watching this stuff, when you're looking at this stuff, you're looking at somebody's little girl. You're looking at somebody's little sister. And And it's your money. It's your money that you might even say God has blessed you with that finances the whole thing. Even if you're looking at the free stuff, the ads and the, and the hidden Trojan viruses that they put on these things so they can track what you do and where you spend your money. All of that is directed at you and you're paying for it. So I want you to think about that the next time you turn on a video or the internet. The things that, the things that they're portraying, even their, the way their bodies look, are not even reality. You realize that. You, it is complete Fiction. Many of them are chemically or surgically or digitally enhanced. Their reactions of the people who are portraying these roles are exaggerated. The situations and the settings and the plot lines that that supposedly drive these movies are equally unrealistic. You are what you're looking at, whether it's a whether it's print material that's just pornographic in nature, whether it is pictures, whether it's video, it is pure fiction. It's fiction. There is nothing about it that's real. It's a facade. That's not how things happen in real life. The fact of the matter is, ma'am or sir, if you're involved in this, then you are a pawn in a multi-billion dollar a year industry that doesn't care anything about you or your family or even the people who are in those pictures and movies. They only care about making money. And even the pornographers themselves who are getting rich off of your addiction and off of your ignorance, the the, the pornographers themselves, though they don't realize it, are also pawns in Satan's evil game of chess that looks to bind you and everyone else so tightly that it suffocates the life out of you and your relationship with God. So what does that have to do with the Scripture that we just read? Given all that we just said, which is absolute fact, how can you tell me that there is anything true or honorable or right or pure or lovely or admirable or excellent or praiseworthy in any of that mess? Single people, married people, young people... Viewing this kind of stuff, allowing it to saturate your mind, is in direct violation of this and a bunch of other scriptures like it. It is, without a doubt, a sin against God. Jesus said that as a man thinks, so is he. If you're filling yourself with this stuff, if you're filling your thoughts with this stuff, if this is what you're thinking about, then what does that make you? As a man thinks... So is he. If you're thinking about this stuff, what does that make you? Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what does that, what, what does that mean is going to come out of your mouth? And if it comes out of your mouth, is it going to bring glory to God? If you're talking to people about the stuff that you're watching, is that going to bring glory to God? Is God going to be proud of you for talking about this stuff? The psalmist said, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. That's the things that are going on in your head. Be acceptable in your sight. So as long as I don't talk about them, God's okay. No, the meditations of my heart. Who is the only one who knows the meditations of your heart? You and God. The psalmist said, let the words of my mouth and... The, medita- the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, my strength and my Redeemer. I don't think anybody in here is bold enough or foolish enough to claim that it is acceptable in the sight of God for you to meditate on and speak about these things. Look at what 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9 says. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then he, he begins to define wickedness. Don't be deceived. Don't fool yourself. Right. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders. And the next verse just goes on to list the things that would define wicked. I don't know how anybody with a straight face and a right mind could deny that pornography is at the very least sexual immorality. And the Bible makes it very clear that those who involve themselves in sexual immorality will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, are you saying that I'll lose my salvation or that I'm not saved? Look, that's between you and God. I'm not going to be your judge. But Paul, the apostle, said... That you will not inherit the kingdom of God if you participate in this kind of sexual immorality. You figure out what that means for you and your relationship with God. But I am concerned that this is a danger to your eternal soul because eventually it will replace your love for God, it will push it out of the way. This is not just a benign condition, it's an aggressive cancer that eats away at the person until there's nothing left. It's a progressive form of slavery that draws a person in little by little until they are completely subservient to this cruel master. The law of diminishing returns says that you get maximum impact the first time you experience something. And then every other time after that, the effect gets less and less each time. It's why when you drink, when you start to drink... Man, one beer and you are wiped out. You're just f- nuts. But after you do that a little bit, then it's going to take two. And then three. And then a six pack. Or a twelve pack. Or you're going to have to start doing liquor shots. Or you're going to have to move to something harder and harder. Either increase the quantity or increase the alcohol content because the law of diminishing returns is proving its point to you that it's not doing for you what it always did. It's the same thing with Pornography. What may start as a once a month viewing soon becomes once a week. Which soon becomes once a day. Which soon becomes multiple times a day. What may have started as soft porn has become increasingly hardcore. And then it becomes more vile and more violent and more twisted and more perverted. People are losing their jobs over this every day. People being escorted out of the company. Because they've been able to track how much time and resources they've wasted. How much they've stolen from their company because they've been spending their time looking at porn at work. Families are being split up all over this country every day. Don't fool yourself into thinking this is something that you've got handled. Pornography does not serve you and your needs. You serve it. It will only be master. It will not be your servant. And you may not even realize it until you are completely enslaved by it. And then you'll feel like it's too late. It's not, but you'll feel like it is. Look at First Corinthians chapter six, another verse in this chapter. Paul is trying to refute some of the arguments that were made to him in the first in the in a letter that they sent. Everything is permissible for me, but Paul said, Hey, not everything's beneficial. And they say, everything's permissible for me. But Paul says this, watch. But I will not be mastered by anything. I will not be mastered by anything. Jesus Christ shed His blood to set you free. Why in the world would you willingly put yourself back into bondage to something like pornography? It's foolish and it's sinful. Now, how, how else is pornography sinful? Research done by a professor of psychology at Princeton University used MRI technology to look at men's brains before, during, and after they viewed pornography. Now, the brain scans revealed that men looked at women after they viewed pornography. They looked at them more as objects than as people. And that's no secret. Everybody knows that. Once you look at it, You begin to objectify whoever it is you are looking at. They are no longer people, they are objects there to serve your own pleasure, to serve your own needs. They're not humans. It would be it would take a really calloused individual to be able to look at pornography and think about those people as human beings. You have to make them objects, or you'd never be able to stand yourself. So it is it is just the nature of the beast. The Bible says that we're supposed to love one another. That we're supposed to respect one another. Understanding that we're all God's creations. Pornography demeans and degrades life to the point that people are only objects with one purpose and that's serving your needs. Anything that you do to lessen the glory of God that's visible in His children, in a person's life, you have to answer to His Maker for that. So the next time you see a pornographic image, you remember that that person on the screen is a child of God and in need of a Savior, just like you were. Let me ask you this question. If the camera went both ways, if you could look at them and they could look at you, would that person be willing to listen to your witness about Christ? Would that make them more likely to want what you've got? As they watch you leer at them? Anything that we're doing that would lessen our ability to be a witness for Christ, we need to let go of that thing. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. Verses 1 and 2. Paul told Timothy, don't rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, with absolute purity. The People that appear on your screens are somebody's sister, somebody's brother, or somebody's little girl, or little boy. Maybe somebody's mother or father. If that was your family member on the screen. Would you want them to be treated the way you're treating those people? Would you want people to be thinking about them the way you're thinking about those people? Would you want his or her picture forwarded around the world so that men could view it with the same intentions that you are looking at it? You say, Pastor, you are ruining, ruining this for me. Yes. Congratulations. It is my gift to you. The fact is that just a couple of years, maybe just a few months before they filmed the video that you're looking at, some of them were playing rec league softball. Or starring in the high school play. Maybe the middle school play. Or maybe they're attending, they were attending a Sunday school class. The same age as your kids or your brother and your sister? Are you treating them the way Paul told Timothy to treat people? Married people, here's a question for you. You think it's okay to have an affair on your wife? You think it's okay to, you think God's okay with you having a little something on the side? Let's look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 28. This is what Jesus said. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If you look at a woman, and and ladies, this would apply to you as well, if you look at a man lustfully in your heart, then you've already committed adultery. According to what Jesus says, if you're married and looking at porn and lusting, then you are already committing adultery. Now, I assume that that, uh, at least by definition... If you are looking at porn and not lusting, then maybe you're not committing adultery. But what would be the point of looking at it in the first place? Right? Right? So I don't think anybody's going to escape on that technicality. If you're looking at porn, you're looking at it with lust in your heart. And the Bible says, Jesus said, you are already right now cheating on your spouse with all those hundreds of men and women that you've looked at and imagined what it would be like to be with them pornography a sin? According to this scripture, if it causes you to lust, it's a sin. And it is the sin of adultery. Just another scripture or two. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 2. But since there's so much immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Personal, one-on-one, their own. In the same way the husband's... Uh Uh-oh, go back. I didn't finish. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. That is not bringing home a paycheck. That is not signing the marriage certificate. That's not submitting to the blood test. Your marital duty is to take care of your spouse's sexual needs. There are other translations that do a better job of interpreting that. That leaves a little bit of a door open, but let me show you one way from the context to understand what that means. The next verse says, The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body doesn't belong to him alone, but also to the wife. That's how we know what marital duty means. Verse 5. Don't deprive each other. Of what? Your marital duty. Don't deprive each other of taking care of your sexual needs except by consent and for a time. And then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Ladies, your husband has sexual needs and it's your responsibility to take care of him. Gentlemen, excuse me, husbands, your wife has sexual needs and it's your responsibility to take care of them. We'll talk more about that On a later date. But what does that have to do with pornography? Because this is the way that God has designed us to enjoy our sexuality. You realize it was His idea in the first place. He created us this way. It's not just for procreation. It's for recreation. It's supposed to be pleasurable. It's supposed to meet your needs. But it's only within the confines of marriage one woman, one man till death separates them, taking care of each other and enjoying one another. And the fact of the matter is that if you view porn long enough, you will lose the desire the desire and eventually the ability to gain or give sexual pleasure with a real person. Hear me when I say this to you. This is this is the one that that shocked me as I began to do research about this, as I began to study this for my own benefit as a pastor several years ago, this is what blew me out of the water. And I want you to hear me clearly this morning. This is what counselors and psychologists and pastors are dealing with all over the country. People have become so dependent and conditioned to the stimulation of this stuff that they are bringing pornography into their bedroom. And what they're finding out is that eventually... They are unable to perform with a real woman or a real man. If you're married, you are expected by God to take care of your spouse's sexual needs. If you're viewing porn, you mark my words, you will get to the point that you are first uninterested and then unable to fulfill your spouse's needs. they are newlyweds Who are getting married, and on their honeymoons, they find out that their that their involvement with porn has robbed them of their ability to give themselves completely to their spouse. Nobody told them it was wrong. Nobody told them there was a problem. Nobody told them what the consequences were. The wages of sin is always death. Something dies. In this case, it's your ability. It's your ability to give yourself completely to your spouse. See, your your mind is like a memory card with an unlimited capacity. You never forget the images that you're burning into your mind right now. Those images come racing back to you in moments of intimacy. And they cloud your ability to bring fulfillment to the person you love the most. Listen to me, single people, married people, whether you're currently married or you plan to be married in the future, your spouse deserves your full attention and your full affection. They deserve to have you completely to themselves. Your body belongs to them and is designed by God to bring them pleasure and fulfillment mentally and emotionally and physically and sexually. And when you view pornography, you are betraying their trust. It is not uncommon at all for the spouse of a person who is addicted to porn to feel feelings of inadequacy. Like they are just not enough. They feel like they are less of a man Or a woman. And if they could just look different. If they could just act different. If there was just something they could do. Then maybe they could get or keep their spouse's attention. Let me tell you something. Just stop. It's not you. You are not the problem. Don't allow your spouse's problem to get reflected onto you. It's not your problem. It's his problem or her problem. Are you part of the solution? Absolutely. But don't take those feelings of guilt. Don't feel like you are less than. Because there is no real person that you're being compared to. Because what they are imagining, what they are seeing on that screen, is not a real person that you can compete with. See, I know I've talked to enough women. i got three sisters. I worked in an elementary school and a middle school and in a deli bakery my whole life, okay? So I know me some women. And I know how this works. If, I, if a woman finds out her man had been with some other woman, she's going to go and claw that woman's eyes out, right? Or at least want to. Or I, I, she's going to try to figure out how to compete with, how to, how to one-up, how to be better than that person. I, can look, I look better than her, I'm Whatever. You can't do that with pornography because it's not a real person you're competing with. Besides the fact that if it was a real person, your husband ain't good looking enough to get her. <laughs> all, all these little kins running around want to look want Barbie, but they don't look like Ken. Right? They're doing a Pastor John doll. He's going to be kin with balding and skinny and weak and anyway. See, this is not a victimless crime. Spouses are devastated. Marriages are ruined. Children are left with a loveless or a broken home. Churches are only as strong as the families that make them up. And we have an epidemic in the church in America. We have an epidemic of of weak men. We We have such a desperate need for strong men of God to take their rightful place in the homes and in the churches of America, but we can't find enough of them who have enough integrity to be trusted with spiritual matters and i am afraid that part a large part of the problem is that so many of them are addicted or at least connected to pornography and that lack of integrity is harming the body of christ the people acting in those videos or posing in those pictures are often victims too and last but not least whether you want to admit it or not you're a victim you're a victim so what do you do if you're caught up in this web of perversion? First of all, let me help you understand there is no light or, or meaningless connection to pornography. If you are connected, it's too much. If you are looking at all, it's too much. Because this is a slippery slope. Once they get you looking a little bit, then it just continues to increase. It may take you longer than others, but mark my words, it will happen to you if you keep dancing around the the top of the hill. So if you're involved at all, here's one word that you need to hear. Stop. Stop. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's not going to be without pain. I'm not saying it's not difficult. Stop. The only way to get out of the hole that you're digging for yourself, stop digging. Amen. Amen. Now, let me hasten to, to add this. I'm not making this a bigger sin than any other sin. Okay? This has ramifications that maybe some other sins don't have. But the reason I'm highlighting this is because we don't talk about this enough and because of those serious ramifications, I want to make sure that you understand, and I hope if I've not shown you anything this morning, that I have proven to you that any involvement in pornography is sin. And so what do you do about it? You do the same thing you do with any sin that you're caught up in. You repent. Now it doesn't mean that you tell God you're sorry because you got caught, or because you feel guilty after today's message. Repentance is a determination to change your mind. Repent actually means to rethink. You're going to change your attitudes about it. You're going to change your thinking about it. You're going to change your actions about it. And you commit yourself before God to stop looking. Secondly, you make amends to the ones that you've hurt by your addiction and your involvement. That means you need to talk to your spouse about it and confess. They need to hear your sincere apology and they need your and you need their forgiveness and their understanding and their accountability. Look, ladies, if your husband, if you discover after today's message that your husband is wound up in this world, do not condemn him and walk out on him. Help him. The fact that he is man enough to tell you about it may give you an inkling that he might be man enough for you to stay connected to. Don't walk out on him. Help him. Same way, gentlemen, if you find your woman has been involved in this. Help her. They don't need the condemnation. Look, I'm not saying you hide the shame. I'm not saying you hide the hurt or anything. Be as bare bones honest as you need to be. But don't condemn them and walk out on them. Third thing that I would suggest is that you look for help. We have marriage counselors here who are trained that that provide free biblical marriage counseling or find you another marriage counselor somewhere. Come to Celebrate Recovery. They have a group that will help you deal with this sort of addiction in your life. I told you a couple weeks ago, it doesn't matter what the addiction is, the steps to get over it are the same. And so come and let people help you overcome. The next thing is you need to get accountable to somebody. A friend, a pastor, a family member that you trust. Somebody that you trust enough to listen to what they have to say. And somebody that knows you well enough to know when you're lying. And will hold you accountable, look you in the eye and say, No, I'm not buying that. The fourth thing you need to do is change your schedule, your environment, to avoid putting yourself back into that position, to fall back into those habits. Don't trust yourself alone with access to a computer or a TV or a DVD player or a magazine or whatever your deal is. Don't trust yourself. Install some software. There is software and I've already got it on the page. You go to our webpage, click on the taboo graphic. You'll see there's an article there that highlights a half a dozen or more software that you can install on your computer. Some of it's free that you can install on your computer. It takes your browsing history and emails it to whoever you specify. So you can't go in and, and erase your history like your teenagers are doing. You can't go in and erase your history. It's going to immediately send exactly what you're doing. It's going to catalog it, send it to your wife, your accountability person, whoever you deem as your accountability person. Sign up for that kind of stuff. Do whatever it takes to get free from all this stuff. Two more things. Ask God to cleanse your mind of this stuff that you've put in it. Now this, is, this, is, this might be, but, but may not be an instant process for you. Maybe God will just deliver you and it's all wiped away, but for most people, it's a process. Ask God repeatedly to cleanse your mind of all of that stuff that you've put in there. It's not that you'll ever forget it, but God can help you sever those ties so that you don't keep remembering it. And the last thing, and this goes back to some of the spiritual warfare messages that I preached. Ask God to deliver you from a spirit of lust, a spirit of perversion, that almost always accompanies involvement with pornography. Because if you you can get rid of the porn, but that spirit of lust is still there. Or that spirit of perversion is still there. And will at least emotionally or mentally keep you connected to that stuff. You've got to break every chain. You've got to break every connection, not just in the physical, but in the spiritual as well. Stand with me, please. There's much more to say. And we still had not done offering, we had not done announcements or nothing, so don't leave. But we need to pray. I want to pray for you as your pastor. And I'm going to ask in just a second that you bow your heads and close your eyes. And and if you would like to just raise your hand and be really, really honest and brave. And say, Pastor, I need your help to pray. Then I'll be scanning the congregation and and looking for your hand. But if you don't feel comfortable even doing that, then use that taboo address, taboo at covenantlifebremen.org and tell me that you need me to help you pray. Go to the website and look at those resources and get the help that you need. Look, men, women, if you're married, your marriage depends on this. You cannot have a normal marriage and be looking at pornography. It just does not happen. You can't do that. You cannot have a marriage that God will bless and one or either of you or both of you being involved in this stuff. You've got to break it. Teenagers, young people, single people, please listen to me. I know that society talks about it as if it's not a big deal, as if everybody's doing it, and the numbers would support their side more than, than I wish to admit. A lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people are doing it. But there's a lot of stupid people in the world too. Amen. That's right. right? Please don't trust your future happiness to what a 13-year-old says. Or a 16-year-old. Take it from a 43-year-old pastor who's looking at you in the eyeball and saying, I've seen the devastation that it causes in people's lives. Don't do it. Please. And if you don't believe me, then take it from the Word of God and I just outlined for you a half a dozen different places. It is sin and the wages of sin are always death. Be smart enough, be mature enough not to do it. Be the leader, be the one person that some of the other weaker people around you are looking for and say, I don't care what anybody says, I'm not putting that trash in my eyeballs. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you would like for me to pray, you would like to lift a hand and say, Pastor, I need help in this area, then lift your hand. I'm not even going to acknowledge it. But if you, need to, if you need the prayers, then I will be praying for you. Just slip your hand up and slip it right back down. I'm not saying any of this to bring shame upon you. I'm bringing light into an area of darkness in your life. Don't allow shame or guilt or anything else to stop you from doing what's right. Let's pray. Father, we need you. We need you to help us keep ourselves pure. There are those of us who have failed in this area maybe in the past and maybe currently involved in this, and they recognize that it needs to stop, I pray, God, that You would give them strength and courage to face this problem. No matter what the consequences, no matter how much pain it causes, I pray that You would help them to get to the source of this infection, the source of this tumor, the source of this cancer, In their lives. And Lord, no matter how painful it is, Lord, pull it out. Every cell. And then pour in your healing balm, God, into their lives, into their marriages, into their relationships. Pour it in. That they can have not just normal, but they can have blessed and exceedingly good marriages, God. For your honor and for your glory and for their benefit, according to your word and to your will. I pray that you give us strength, Lord, in our young people, in our single people to save themselves, to keep themselves pure, God, so that whenever you bring them to the person that they're supposed to marry, that they and their future spouse will have saved themselves and kept themselves pure so that they can give themselves fully and completely to each other and only each other. For those of for those among us Lord who may have already messed up and who may have images in their minds even now I pray that you would heal them of that that you would that you would cleanse their minds God and their spirits And I pray God for those who are bound by a spirit of addiction a spirit of of lust a spirit of of perversion any spirit that's associated with this sin of, of pornography, then I, I bind those things up now in the name of Jesus. I bind them and command that they be gone from this sanctuary and from these lives in the name of Jesus. May we put on the full armor of God and may You fill all the empty spots in our lives, God, with Your Spirit and with Your presence. In the name of Jesus we pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Pastor John Butler at Covenant Life Church in Bremen, Georgia. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.covenantlifebremen.org. We look forward to meeting you soon.